right. Um, we are live. I want to welcome everyone tonight um, to um, this event. My name is Carolyn Hoffman. I am the director of the Sinai Temple Mental Health Center. Um, tonight, our program will be featuring um, Michelle Wolf. Um, and the title of our presentation tonight is Hope is Not a Plan, What You Need to Know for Your Loved One with Special Needs and Disabilities. Um, Michelle, um, oh, okay, before I introduce Michelle, I want to encourage everyone. Um, I know it's late and we're home and we're relaxing. Um, we to maximize the interactive nature of our program tonight. I want to encourage everybody, if you're able to um, and feel comfortable, to turn on your cameras so we can see you and um, and everybody. It, it facilitates uh, a very nice exchange between people. We want this to be more of a conversation um, and to allow Michelle to um, see you, to read the room, so to speak, and to be ready to answer questions that you have. Um, do not hesitate to, um, to type in your questions in the Zoom chat. Um, we now have 10 people in the room. That's awesome, welcome. Um, and we're also being live streamed on the Sinai Temple YouTube channel and the Facebook, uh, Facebook Live. So um, without further ado, um, let me introduce our, our speaker and presenter tonight. Um, Michelle Wolf uh, is the founder and executive director of JLA Trust, a nonprofit organization working to improve the lives of people with disabilities by putting professional trust services within reach of middle-class families. Michelle has over three decades of experience working in the Jewish nonprofit and governmental sectors with a focus on social services and special needs. Welcome, Michelle. Um, we're so excited that you're here. Um, and uh, I think what we had discussed when we would go for about 30, 45 minutes. Um, and um, if you have questions, um, again, please type them in. I'll be feeding them to you. Um, if you have um, uh, something to ask during the presentation, um, again, you can um, alert us through the through the chat and I will, um, and I'll feed them to you, feed questions to you. Um, I don't think I've forgotten anything. Welcome, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn, and thank you uh, for the whole Sinai team for being so professional and so supportive and helpful. Um, before we get started, it's good to know with whom we're speaking. So um, if we could, uh, Gary, if we could put up the poll. Yeah, we just, uh, it's helpful for me to know what is the age of your family member who has special needs or disabilities, if you yourself um, are that person, um, if you could just answer and then we'll uh, see what the uh, answer is. If you can, please fill out the poll. And I, I know at least one of you is in a car. My <laughs> I, I know I'm guilty of being in the bed for the after 6 p.m. Zooms myself, uh, but. All right, what is the age of your family member? All right, we're gonna close the poll in just a minute. And uh, we're not getting a whole lot of responses. I'll share with everyone that I have a 27-year-old son who is a uh, Lanterman Regional Center client with cerebral palsy. Um, all right. So it looks like, oh, we're very evenly, uh, not quite evenly divided. 43% uh, uh, 40 over 
And then uh, the other two thirds are between six and 12 and 13 to 21. So that's very helpful. So we won't be talking about early start for the little ones. And we're gonna focus more on teenage and adult um, since that seems where our audience is. And um, if we could start the slideshow, please. So yeah, um, today's presentation, we're gonna talk a little bit about COVID updates, government benefits. Um, there's some new exciting things happening with Medi-Cal that will help a lot of people out. Uh, why in the heck would you need a special needs trust? What is a pooled special needs trust? What are we offering here at our nonprofit uh, known as JLA Trust? Um, and a little bit about CalABLE savings accounts, which I highly recommend that anyone with a disability or special needs open up. Um, it's only 25 bucks to open it and you can do it online. Uh, next slide. So uh, just a reminder that there are free in-home COVID tests available through the federal government. Uh, just go to the link below and uh, order them so you'll have tests on hand. I know I was talking to um, some friends today who said that family members have just been diagnosed. So unfortunately, it seems like COVID is on the rise again. So it's a, a good idea to have your test handy. Uh, next. So um, in case you or someone you know receive stimulus funds, it's important to know that they do not count towards the resource limits for SSI or Medi-Cal, uh, but they also needed to have been spent within 12 months. The other important thing to know is that there were thousands of SSI redeterminations that were put on hold during the state of emergency uh, that was set into place with COVID uh, back in March, 2020. And a lot of those are coming back. So if you have not been in touch with your SSI office, for the last two years, it's probably a good idea to call and update, um, provided you can get through on the phone, which is not always that easy. All right, next slide. So we're gonna take a, an example here, uh, planning ahead for Adam, who's 23 years old. He was diagnosed at age four with autism. He is verbal. He likes to talk a lot about cars but not um, interested in much else. Um, he doesn't really, he never really was good at sports. So unfortunately he's overweight and his doctor has said he's at risk of diabetes. He is a regional center client at Westside Regional Center. He is not conserved. Um, he finished high school, but he hasn't done much since high school. And he, um, he has about 20 hours a week of ILS, which is independent living services through the regional center. Uh, next slide. So here are some questions and considerations. Are there possibly some internships he could do um, that would align with his area of interest with cars, such as with a car mechanic or a car dealer? Um, what's the family's plan? Is he going to stay at home? Is there a plan to move him out? Should his parents apply for SSI? Um, before the age of 18, um, SSI is going to look at family income and resources. After the age of 18, that is not the case. The government assumes that everyone over 18 is capable of earning their own living. We know that's not true for even our neurotypical children, uh, much less with our children with disabilities, but that is the law. So um, some other interesting questions, what happens to his health insurance at the age of 26? And the most important question, I think for our purposes of future planning, should the parents assume his sister, uh, his younger sister is gonna be the trustee? So let's think about Adam as we work our way through these slides. If you have questions, if these questions are evoking questions for you, please put them in chat. Um, otherwise we'll move ahead to the next slide. And we're gonna take a little bit of a introduction to government benefits. 
please keep in mind, we're only looking at kind of the tip of the iceberg here. Um, government benefits are very complicated, um, but it's important to understand the basics. So government benefits, um, they're really only designed to take you to the poverty level. And unfortunately, especially in Southern California, the poverty level is not gonna be enough to live on. Uh, you can see here 100% of the federal poverty level um, in our current calendar year is only $13,590. The other thing to keep in mind with government benefit programs is they're gonna be looking at your resources. That's what's in your checking account, servings account, uh, servings, savings account, bonds, stocks, and then also looking at your income. What are, what are you receiving in monthly earned or unearned income? Earned income is like from a job or a stipend. Unearned income would be something like child support or interest. Okay, um, I think we had a some technical difficulty. Okay. Um, so we're gonna go forward one more slide, please. So this slide's really important to understanding the difference between what benefits are need-based. In other words, they're gonna look at income and they're gonna look at resources like checking accounts and savings accounts. And what are entitlement benefits? Meaning it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or how much you're getting every month. All, uh, all that matters is do you meet the government eligibility? So on the left-hand side, you'll see SSI, that's supplemental security income, and also Medi-Cal, that is Medicaid in the state of California. On the right-hand side, uh, we see SSDI, that stands for Social Security Disability Insurance. When people get sick or, and they say, I'm going out on disability, that's what they're talking about. And you could be a millionaire and you still are entitled to disability insurance if you get sick or injured. Well, if you get injured on the job, that would be workman's comp. But if you get sick or get disabled or like get a bad car accident after you've been working um, for a number of quarters and have earned enough money uh, to qualify. And then there's Medicare. Um, you just have to be an American citizen over the age of 65. So Bill Gates gets Medicare, right? It doesn't matter uh, how much money he has. So um, for families who have a loved one, a, a child, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew with special needs or a disability, your goal, I like to say, is to collect all four pieces of the puzzle. You're gonna wanna try to get um, SSI as soon as they turn 18. And then uh, once you get SSI, uh, you'll qualify automatically for Medi-Cal. And then um, in, in a minute, we're gonna talk about when a parent retires and starts pulling social security retirement benefits, there's something known as an adult a disabled child benefit, and that adult child um, can get money based on the parent's earning record, and he or she would then get SSDI. And anyone who's on disability for more than 24 continuous months, um, that person is eligible for Medicare, right? We think of Medicare as being for people over the age of 65, but there's a lot of younger people who can qualify for Medicare um, if they've been on SSDI for 24 months. All right, next slide. So this is this really important benefit that regional centers do not really explain to parents. Um, as I was saying, it's called the Disabled Adult Child, uh, Childhood Disabled Beneficiaries, another way of thinking about it. So um, I'll give you an example. Um, let's say um, 
there's a child uh, named Adam and his dad, John, retires at the age of 67 with full government benefits. And John gets $1,200 a month. Um, that child, Adam, was diagnosed before the age of 22. Adam is now 23, um, so he's over the age of 18. So Adam would get 50% of his dad's, John's social security. So in this example, Adam would get $600 a month. And then when John sadly passes away, Adam would receive um, uh, 75%, so $900 out of that $1,200. And you can only get it off of one parent's earning record. So typically it's gonna be the dad because most dads um, earn more than moms, but that's not always the case. It can also be a divorced. question is, are they able to work? So the government for SSI purposes calls it, they have these wonderful acronyms. Uh, it's called Sustainable Gainful Activity, SGA. So the question is, will that child over the age 18 be able to um, make a living? And so you have to have a medical doctor or a psychiatrist write a letter and if someone uh, is having like ADHD as described, you would need a pretty detailed letter, not just stating the diagnosis, but really getting into some details. Like he is not able to stay focused on a task for more than 10 minutes or after 10 minutes, he'll get frustrated and need to take a break. So um, it's gonna be harder to qualify uh, with those diagnoses, but it can happen. All right, uh, next slide. What is SSI? So that's supplemental security income. This is for someone who never had a chance to work. So it could be an older person. It could be, um, it could be someone who's blind and disabled of any age. So this is for someone who has not uh, been able to earn uh, enough quarters to qualify for Social Security uh, retirement, nor Social Security disability. The max right now in California is $1,350. Some of the most of the money comes from the federal government. California adds some extra dollars. Um, you're not allowed to have more than $2,000 in resources and countable resources. So that's money in a bank account, a savings account, um, stocks, bonds, cryptocurrency, uh, gold blocks. Um, you're not allowed to have more than $2,000. Uh, there's a bill in Congress to raise that to $10,000. But for right now, it's still at $2,000. And um, as I was saying, one of the best things is it links automatically to Medi-Cal. Uh, so you only need to be getting $1 of SSI and you get that great automatic linkage um, to Medi-Cal. Carolyn, uh, you had a question? Um, yes, uh, Michelle, there's um, a question in the chat. So um, do you want me to stop you mid during the- Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so Eliza asked, um, can you talk about a child that doesn't have regional center benefits. For example, ADHD, learning disabilities, and if they qualify for any benefits. Right, so I, I was saying that that's gonna be totally dependent on their ability to make a living and the ability to document that they can or, or in this case cannot make a living. So this is where you have to have a medical professional state in writing. Um, 
<clears throat> so we're having tech difficulties tonight. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, um, like computer code. Michelle, you know what, Michelle, you just cut out and I'm not, I'm not sure what the, what the tech difficulty is. Um, yeah, I think I'm having some problems with my spectrum. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe well, rewind a few, a few thoughts. Um, Cause I, we didn't, we didn't get what you said. Oh, I'm sorry. I said it's um, the benefits are not diagnostic dependent. It's really dependent on the ability to earn a living and having a medical professional who can document if you're able to make a living or not. So I was saying someone who's like, there's some individuals with very high functioning autism who are very good at computer coding and they could make a very good living in theory, as long as they can follow the rules of a workplace. So the so that that individual would not be eligible then for the for the for the the benefits the government right if they're able to earn fifty thousand dollars a year at, you know doing computer coding they would not qualify for the government benefits even though they have an autism diagnosis understood okay you hear that. Yes, yes, okay. we've heard that. Um, if 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 you wanted to, um, Eliza, if you wanted to have a follow up question, throw it into the chat, and I will, and I can follow up. Or Michelle, can you see? You can see the messaging, right? Can you see yes. the chat? Yes. So um, if I if if I ask the question, or if you see the question, and it and you want to follow up, um, then please feel free to do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. That's all right. Um, Gary or Judy, I don't know who's doing that slideshow. Let's let's uh, dive back in. All right. So that was SSI. Uh, next, please. So if you want to apply for SSI, um, this is uh, a new online tool. This is really exciting because for years, un until now, until about two months ago, the only way to initiate an SSI eligibility was to get on the phone. And unfortunately, anyone who's tried to call Social Security, at least in the last year or two, it's pretty impossible to get someone on the phone. So um, you'll still have to do a follow-up phone call, but at least you can initiate and someone else uh, can also help someone initiate the process. So this is a big deal <laughs> in the world of SSI. And um, I see there's a question, can you get SSI and work? Yes. Um, there is a myth that you uh, cannot work if you're receiving SSI, but actually uh, you, can, you can work up to getting $1,300 a month uh, with, and still keeping your SSI. And the really good thing about SSI is it really helps you link to a lot of other government benefits and services. So um, it's a pain in the butt. And there's a lot of paper, a lot of red tape, but overall it's worth it um, to apply for your son or daughter of, after the age of 18. Okay, next. So what is not counted? Um, the house you live in, so you're only allowed to have one house. So you, uh, you couldn't have like a rental house. So if you live in a house and you're renting out a couple of rooms, that's okay. But you can't have the beneficiary living in one house and then having another, let's say, duplex um, um, under title to that person. And that duplex is used as a rental property only. Uh, you can have at least one car. You can have a small life insurance policy and burial plots. Um, and then here's the big kicker that you cannot have resources. And we need money resources, savings account, bank account, 
stocks, bonds, Israel bonds, those cannot exceed $2,000 for an individual or $3,000 for a couple. And uh, the question, is there an age limit to being a client? No, once someone qualifies as a regional center client, uh, they, they pretty much stay until they die or move out of state. So um, it's gotten harder to get regional center eligibility um, in the last few years. So um, to get regional center eligibility, you have to have um, a, a diagnosis of autism, cerebral palsy, intellectual disabilities such as Down syndrome, um, uh, a type of epilepsy that interferes with your everyday life, or um, a similar condition to those other four diagnoses. So um, the example that people usually give is God forbid someone had like a near drowning incident or a traumatic brain injury, uh, like from a car accident. So those are the only five diagnostic categories for the regional center. Okay, next slide. If you need to go out and come back in, that's okay. Okay, so SSI has this very confusing and stupid thing called ISM, in-kind services and maintenance. I think we need to go back a slide. And basically what the federal government is saying is if someone, including your parents or your special needs trust, pays for these categories, food, mortgage, rent, heating, gas, electricity, water, sewer, garbage removal, you don't need so much money from the federal government. So the federal government reduces, they impose a penalty of one third of the federal share plus 20 bucks. So right now that's $300. So one of the ways to get around this, particularly for rent, is to use a Cal Able account to pay for rent. Um, and I'll get to that at the end of the presentation. Okay, next slide. I think, yeah, it's Medi-Cal. So uh, if you were paying attention, you'll remember that Medi-Cal is Medicaid in California. Uh, we like to name everything a little bit different in California. So our Medicaid is a federal program. In California, our state adds some additional dollars and they call it Medi-Cal. And it pays for a lot of different medical care, durable equipment, prescription medication, as long as the medication's on the formulary, um, end of life, it pays for things like wheelchairs. And then um, we'll talk about it also pays for in-home supportive services known as IHSS, and also pays for long-term care. So if someone needs a skilled nursing home, uh, the only government program that pays for skilled nursing is Medi-Cal. Medicare does not pay for skilled nursing except um, 100 days post-hospital discharge. So um, it's a big problem because a lot of families end up you know spending thousands okay. of dollars could be hundreds of thousands of dollars you are going crazy you're just out of control yeah and to answer your question uh yeah we can help people um with the eligibility process uh we have a grant for one we can give everybody one free hour of consultation and then after that, uh, we have to charge um, $90 an hour, which is uh, below market. Okay, next slide. Which is, yeah. So this is that in-home supportive program I was mentioning. So this is a terrific program in the state of California. 
Um, I wish it gave more hours, but it's better than most other states. Uh, first of all, you have to qualify for Medi-Cal. So you have to be on Medi-Cal and then you can get this IHSS. And the way it works is um, each county administers the program. So uh, most of you are probably in Los Angeles County. It's gonna be through the LA County Department of um, Social Services, DPSS. And someone from DPSS actually has to come to the home and do an assessment of what the person with a disability needs. And what they're looking at is what do they need for their, it's called activities of daily living. So what do they, do they need help getting out of bed, getting dressed, going to the bathroom, brushing their teeth, um, going into the kitchen and making breakfast for themselves, cleaning up from breakfast? Um, do they need help um, with things like grocery shopping and doing laundry? And uh, the maximum you can get is 283 hours a month. And that's only with protective supervision uh, in which you have to prove that the person with disability would be a danger to themselves or others if left alone. Like they wouldn't know what to do in case there's an earthquake or they might leave the oven on it or light a candle and cause a fire. Uh, the good thing about IHSS is family members can be paid care providers. Uh, right now, it's, it pays whatever the minimum wage is, uh, which in LA City right now is $15.50 an hour. Okay, next slide. So uh, people who receive SSI and IHSS uh, can also get CalFresh. Uh, you might know that better by food stamps. And it's not a whole lot of money. It, you know, for most people, it's about $130 a month. But, you know, every little bit helps. And um, the county is really encouraging everyone to apply. So you can have someone who's living on SSI who lives um, like with the parents who do not get SSI. And that person uh, who's receiving SSI might still be eligible for CalFresh um, if they uh, make their own food and do their own grocery shopping. Uh, Carolyn's asking, is there a mental health benefit? No, there's no specific mental health benefit, unfortunately. It's a big problem. So some people um, who have a severe mental health issue may also have difficulty getting themselves, you know, out of bed, um, brushing their teeth, and you know, doing everything that needs to get done. Um, uh, but it's going to be harder to prove it. It's easier to prove it uh, for regional center clients or for older people with dementia or Alzheimer's, um, it's really a matter of looking at what the person's uh, abilities are. Uh, again, it's not diagnostic, it's not uh, diagnostic dependent. It really depends on what can the person do or not do. And um, what can, a, what will a medical professional say that the person can do or not do? Okay, next slide. So, um, as I was saying, once you have SSI, sometimes other things come along. Amazon Prime just started offering this benefit that um, people who receive food stamps or Medi-Cal can now get Amazon Prime for only $6.99 a month. So, and um, unlimited photo storage. I didn't even see that one. So that's a that's kind of a nice benefit. There's also another benefit to get reduced um, broadband. Okay, next slide. So this is the big uh, news from Medi-Cal. Remember I was saying you could only have $2,000 in your resources and assets? Well, there's a new law coming online July 1st that says there's gonna be a lot more people 
who can qualify for Medi-Cal because it's going from $2,000 to $130,000. Next slide. And that the next slide has a little table. So you can see um, this is going to let people who have money in their bank accounts, but they're not earning much money, they're not able to make a living. It's going to enable a lot more people to qualify for Medi-Cal as of July 1st. And um, you can apply for Medi-Cal online through the um, LA County Department of Social Services. If anyone is watching this and lives in a different county in California, you need to apply through your own county Department of Social Services. Okay, next slide. So all of that is kind of preliminary. Let's say you really um, wanna keep or get eligibility for some of those benefits we just talked about, but um, it's not gonna be enough to live on as we talked about because you're only going to be at the federal poverty line. What can you do? How can we help out Adam? Um, so one of the ways to help out Adam is to get a special needs trust set up. I'm abbreviating that SNT. So special needs trusts provide a person with assets from family or, or friends to enhance the quality of life while they're able to keep all their government benefits. It has to be used for the benefit of the beneficiary and it must be irrevocable. So it cannot be broken. Once there's money in a special needs trust, you cannot take it out to use for another family member. And the thing about a special needs trust, you could put in $10,000, you could put in 50,000, you could put in 5 million or 10 million and um, you'll still be able to get the eligibility for the means-tested government benefits. Next slide. So um, here's a few key legal terms to understand special needs trust. There's um, gonna be somebody who's giving the money that in California is mostly, we call it a settler. Sometimes it's known as a grantor, grantor trust. There's the trustee. That has to be the person who administers the trust. And that trustee has what we call a fiduciary responsibility. So it's the highest level of financial oversight. And then there's the beneficiary. That's the person or the entity that gets the benefits of the trust. So sometimes parents will say to me, I wanna put money aside. I wanna be a settler, but then I also wanna be the trustee. So, I mean, that'll work as long as the parents are alive. But once the parents are unfortunately no longer with us, someone else or some other entity needs to be the trustee. Remember we, my example about Adam, he had that younger sister. So a lot of middle-class families are gonna, they're not gonna have enough money to use a bank or a commercial trust because those banks and commercial trusts and private fiduciaries, they're gonna want at least a million, um, nowadays closer to one and a half or $2 million in liquid assets in order to take on the trust. So um, a lot of middle-class and upper middle-class families will name the sibling as the trustee. And this is not best practice because a lot of bad things could happen the sibling could, God forbid, get disabled or die. Um, the spouse of the sibling could say, your brother is fine. Um, he doesn't need the money that was supposed to go in the trust. We need it for our own you know, family business. So um, the best practice is to use a professional trustee, a fiduciary. Uh, there was a question, I think. So I saw someone raising their hand. Yes. Go ahead and ask your question. Um, is yes, ask the question. But 
Uh, I couldn't hear. Maybe you could type it in chat or someone could type it in chat. Uh, let's go on to the next. Do you want to try asking your question again? Parvin, do you want to ask your question? Parvin, I think you're, are you muted? Uh, I can't tell. Um, I think maybe, maybe she was adjusting her her screen or um, okay why don't why don't we continue and she can we'll we'll we can go back to her okay so this is what I was just talking about about professional trustee versus the family trustee and that um, sometimes families want to name the sibling the neurotypical sibling but those siblings can find that being a trustee is a big burden their sibling who has special needs could be texting them, you know, I want you to buy me a Tesla. Why won't you buy me a Tesla? There's um, legal issues, there's tax issues. Um, as I'm talking about the government benefits change all the time. Um, so it's really, a, it's really a lot to ask a sibling to take on the trustee. So that's why our nonprofit uh, was created. We provide that professional trustee service um, at below market uh, prices. Uh, next slide, please. So um, how does it's a pool trust work? So Congress set up these pool trusts about 30 years ago. And the way it works is we all have a master trust, which is like a big umbrella that was written by a lawyer and then everybody signs in under that umbrella, master trust, and there's a simple legal agreement called a joinder. And this can save a lot of money in your setup fees. If you go to an attorney and ask them to do a special needs trust, they'll charge a uh, trust and estate attorney, they'll generally charge 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. Um, our enrollment fee is $1,300 for an active account and 600 for an inactive account. So you can see it saves a lot of money. All right, and next slide. The pool special needs trust can be a, a good option because you're gonna have that lower setup fee. And then what we do with the money is it's put into Charles Schwab uh, investment accounts and there's uh, an investment manager and so by pooling everyone's money, Debbie's 20,000 and John's 300,000 and Adam's, let's say a million dollars, um, that can create potentially higher rates of return. And it doesn't, I don't know if this impacts too many people um, tonight, but it can also be created by someone over the age of 65. And most importantly, the pool trust reduces those conflicts of interest from other family members. Okay, next slide. So we offer both first party and third party. First party is what happens if you don't plan ahead and a child, an adult child, for example, let's say Adam uh, ends up inheriting money. So he'll have to set up a first party trust. If he inherits directly without going to a special needs trust, there's going to be a Medi-Cal payback after Adam passes. The third party trust is a much better way to go, but you got to plan ahead. Parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, they have to put that into their will or their own family trust. So in other words, my example of Adam, instead of I want to leave money directly to my son, Adam. It would say, I want to leave money to Adam's special needs trust. And it would have an EIN number attached to it. That makes a big difference because it's not going to go to Adam's social security number. It's going to go to that EIN number that's attached to the pool trust. 
Um, for those people who don't have an extra 20,000 sitting around, which is probably most of us, we have something we call the future funded option. That is an inactive account. And that lets you set up, um, it lets you set up a, a special needs trust and empty, pretend this glass is empty. And then after I pass, I money gets poured into it from um, my estate's assets. Okay, next slide. We have a partnership with a, a financial services company called TrueLink. They're based in San Francisco. Um, and um, they're the ones overseeing our investment accounts at Charles Schwab. And uh, they have a terrific call center. Everyone is based in the United States and everyone is trained to work with people with disabilities. So um, we use a visa card that's um, uh, distributed by TrueLink. And that visa card lets us see what people are spending in real time. It lets us open and shut different categories. So like, for example, we always close pawn shops. So people can't go in and pawn stuff and get cash. Um, and then we usually always open medical needs. So people could always use this card to pay for medical needs. Um, it's individualized for each client. Uh, next slide, please. So this is a little more detail about that future funded option. So um, this is setting up that empty vessel and um, it requires a $600 enrollment fee and $200 deposit. And um, we're working on trying to get some scholarships for very low income Jewish families, uh, but we don't have that set up quite yet. Okay, next slide. So um, the last thing I wanna talk about is something that everyone should just do is opening up an ABLE account for their loved one with a disability. So you can see this talks about what I was talking about, about that $2,000 asset limit. Before the ABLE Act, you couldn't save more than $2,000. Now you can save up to whatever the IRS gift exemption is, which is currently $16,000 per year. And you can go all the way up to $100,000. Next slide. Cal Able, um, it's based on the 529 Golden Share College Savings Accounts. Um, you can only have one Able account per beneficiary per social security number. Um, account can be opened by the beneficiary or a legal representative such as a parent for someone who's a minor or a rep payee or a conservator. And they work like a savings and a checking account. Family members can uh, contribute. They can give gifts like for birthdays, b'nai mitzvot, graduations. And uh, the funds are tax exempt as long as they're spent on qualified disability expenses. Uh, next slide. So um, just like the the golden share 529 accounts, you can spend the money on education, but you can also spend it on rent. Um, you can spend it on transportation, healthcare, um, things like computers, travel. Oh, um, it's almost anything that um, would improve health or independence or quality of life. Yes, Carolyn, what's the question? Yeah. Hi, sorry to interrupt you. That's fine. Um, so someone asked in the in the chat, um, if a loved one does not qualify for SSI and only receives SSDI and has other SNN uh, trusts set up for the adult with a disability, why have a CalAble account? Uh, well, the only, well, if they're not on SSI, you don't, you don't need the rent, um, you don't need that rent expense. The one advantage I could think of is that with the CalAble account, the beneficiary has direct access to the funds. With the special needs trust, you have to ask the trustee um, to uh, get a distribution of funds. So a CalAble account will promote independence 
And the other thing is if someone is working, uh, you could put in your earnings into the CalABLE account and you can actually go beyond the numbers that I had previously presented. Okay, thank you. Sure. So we're, yeah, we're just about coming to the end. Uh, the qualified disabled. And um, next slide. So um, ABLE accounts and special needs trusts really work together. Um, if you use your ABLE account to pay for rent for someone who's on SSI, you that's a workaround from that ISM penalty. Um, as I was saying, non-conserved beneficiaries have control over the funds in the ABLE accounts. And then the special needs trust is more like a savings account. You know, our loved ones with special needs, they're gonna get old, God willing, just like everybody else. And they might need a lot of in-home help beyond the IHSS hours. Because even if you max out on the IHSS hours, it's only eight or nine hours a day, depending on how many days in a month there are. So um, it's really good to have a lot of money um, for the last you know, five to 10 years of life so you can pay for things like in-home care or um, uh, all kinds of extra things you might need to buy or you might need to do things like fix up the house, put in um, the bars, uh, maybe do a step-in shower or bathtub. You know, quite often... If there's steps in the house, you might need one of those little um, kind of like elevator things. So um, if you want someone to be able to stay in a home to the end of life, quite often there's things that need to be adjusted or done to the home to keep it safe and accessible. So um, there's no penalties if you transfer money from a special needs trust to an ABLE account or vice versa. Um, California has something called the CalABLE set up by the California Treasurer's Office. Uh, it's operated by um, TIAA. You can only open it up online. You cannot go into a bank and set it up. Um, I'll post in chat and then maybe I can share um, the uh, website with everybody when we're done. CalABLE.org. So, um, I, there's just not much downside to opening up a CalABLE account, and there's a lot of upside. Uh, next slide. So the big picture is uh, experts are recommending people have three different accounts, a personal checking account to receive the government uh, benefits from the U.S. Treasury, a CalABLE account when the funds get close to the $2,000 limit and maybe work earnings, and then that third party special needs trust for the larger gifts. And that's to pay for the larger expenses, um, things like vacations, or um, like I said, mostly people use it for a lot of in-home aids and also being able to pay in-home aids a higher hourly amount than the uh, IHSS. Um, so I know this is confusing. It's a lot of information. Um, and the next slide, uh, there's my email and my phone number. I encourage you, if you want to reach me, to please send me an email, mwolf at jlatrust.org. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, here's the phone number. Is there anyone who, before we um, wrap up, for the evening, is there anyone who has any additional questions or anything that they'd like um, clarified that um, while well, we have Michelle with us? Uh, Carolyn, uh, this is Rachel. I have a question for Ms. Wolf. Um, thank you again for your presentation. So I'm wondering about the CalABLE account because I know that that is a big um, offering here in California, but um, if one hasn't, if one is only eligible for SSDI and SSDI is not needs based, and right? It's, you know why? Why again the able account? Well, SSDI though there is a limit on how much income you can make per month. 
Right. But if you right. still make the less than you, you, right. you can't make a less, you can't make more than this, you know, what, right, I, right. I can't, 880. Why, why again for the Cal labels? The, the, and the I realize it's all particular to each family. Right. So it depends if the person's conserved or not conserved. The one thing would be um, just to have access uh, to money. I guess the question is, why not just have a regular checking your savings account? Um, well, there's tax advantages. I mean, the, the money going in and the money going out isn't taxed. So I think um, there's certain tax advantage, advantages um, to having a, a Cal Able account. I mean, especially if you want if you want like contributions from other family members. Right. I guess that then you could also they could set up a special needs trust or you know pool into a pool trust, right? Right. Right. Well, I guess the question is: Is there already a special needs trust set up? Oh, that's great. And you're already pulling money from it, or not really? I mean, mostly saving it for a rainy day. Right. Which is smart. Yeah. Um, you probably don't, you probably don't need a Cal Able um, account that I can think of. You know, I'm just trying to think like if they get married or have kids. I don't know. <laughs> but then there's a marriage penalty, right? Like, if right. There start, is a, yeah. You know, yeah. you know you, we don't think disabled folks should get married in this country, there's you a, know, or they lose there, their benefits. Right. Right. There's a bill to change that. There is a bill to change that. We hope it'll go through. Yeah. It's kind of crazy that, yeah, disabled people are kind of actively discouraged from getting married, which definitely an old fashioned, outdated approach. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you again. Well, the one thing I, I do want to say, because we unfortunately have this in our own family, is um, be sure that grandparents, do not leave money directly. Uh, I, my husband's mother, we, I don't know how many times I told her, you know, we're, we set up a third party special needs trust. Please don't leave money directly to our son, but yet through some sad occurrences. Anyway, my son is now inheriting direct money and we're having to set up a first party trust in addition to the third party trust. So uh, don't be afraid to communicate often <laughs> with also we have a lot of aunts and uncles that have contacted us too about nieces and nephews so it's important that family members know if there's a specialty trust set up that that's where you would prefer to see money directed okay anybody else alana did was, no okay I still want to, Parvin, did you? I wanted to, I wanted to ask how, um, how can I get those slides that you showed? Uh, I think that the Sinai staff can make those available, right, Sinai staff? Yes, we can. Um, uh, probably tomorrow we're, we'll meet and um, we can send out those slides um, to everyone who participated in tonight's uh, presentation. I have a question. Um, what's the criteria for a special needs trust to set it up? Um, is it certain special needs or is it just? Well, we usually look for people who already are receiving SSI or SSDI, mm -hmm, or they would be eligible for SSI or SSDI if, uh, if they didn't have so much money in a bank account. I see. Over 65, it's easier criteria. Okay. So, hi, Marilyn. <laughs> hi, Michelle. I was, I was here the whole time. If I know, people want to get sure. in touch with you or they know other organizations that might want you to speak, how should they reach out to you? So, yeah, the best thing is to just pop me an email. I'll put it in uh chat and you know i i know this is it's a lot it's been a long day <laughs> uh it's a lot to kind of digest but um 
it's just so important uh, to plan ahead. Sometimes I talk to parents and they'll say, well, you know, my child's 35 and we really, you know, they did pretty okay in school and we really thought they'd be able to make a living, but they're now 35 and it's, it's looking like, you know, it's hard for them to make a living. And so maybe that's a good time to, you know, set up or at least think about setting up a special needs trust um, in your uh, estate documents. And I read a few months ago about a home that the Jewish community is building, I think on Pico. Yeah, so ETA, yeah, and the organization, uh, it's called ETTA, I'll put it. Um, they are building um, kind of an apartment building uh, on Pico and Glenville near Doheny. And the idea is that people will live in their own apartments and everyone will have their own independent life with their own um, ILS, independent living supports or IHSS supports. And then there'll be like a communal space for meals and a cafeteria. So like a dorm. So like you could sign up for a meal plan. Um, if you want to, but you don't have to. And then there'll be evening and Shabbat and weekend programs. Um, but again, no one is going to, you know, force anyone to participate. So it, it's going to be a real chance to build community. Um, and it's exciting. I know they're still fundraising. <laughs> I don't think they have all the money in, in hand to uh, complete the building. So can people um, who have special needs trusts be living in the ETA facility? And there's going to be some monthly cost. So sure, yeah, special needs trusts could pay ETA for whatever that monthly cost is going to be. Yeah. And yeah, Rachel points out, yeah, it's where grandparents could really help. Yeah. So I, I some for some families, it's easy to talk about money. For some families, it's not so easy. But it is important, you know, when grandparents are looking ahead and wanting to help out the grandkids, that they understand that in some cases, it's not a good idea to leave money directly in that grandchild's name. Um, and explaining to them, and, or at least having them talk to their own uh, lawyer, that's really important. Because <coughs> trust and estate attorneys, they're supposed to ask, <laughs> do you have a child or grandchild with special needs? They don't always ask. It could be awkward. It may not, you know, it may not come up in conversation. Oh, the other thing, one other thing I want to say is if you have a child who cannot, um, is not going to be able to uh, have a living on their own, um, you might be able to keep them on your health, your private health insurance past the age of 26. If you can, again, have medical records that prove that your child's not going to be able uh, to make a living. So there are ways to keep your child uh, after 26 on your private um, health insurance. It does take some work. Okay. Well, Carolyn, I, I just want to thank you for moderating. Um, can I, can we ask one more question, Michelle? Sure. I'm so sorry. I know we're, we're over no, no, time. Um, there is one more question that, that, uh, that came in um, from Fariba Farzan. Um, she writes, uh, my son has a special needs trust. It sounds like a, I should consider changing to future funded option if I am concerned about the trustee issue. It would be a better option than having family members as trustees, especially since the trustees can outlive the beneficiary. Is that correct? Yeah, so actually, I think it's the other way around. The beneficiary could outlive the family members. So let's say, you know, I'm 60, full disclosure. Um, so if I appoint my sister, right, to be the trustee for my son, you know, who knows who's going to be around, you know, 20, 30 years from now. So it would be, if you're going to appoint a family member, or family friend, it, it should be someone closer in age to the beneficiary. But then we run into that issue we talked about that it's not the best practice for most cases 
to have a family member or a family friend as the trustee because it creates a real tension. So oh, it's important to note, we have a role for siblings, a non-legal role that we call the beneficiary advocate. So that beneficiary advocate can be like a liaison with our office and our staff. They can help create spending plans. They can help make some decisions. Like let's say the, the beneficiary already has two cats and they say, I wanna get two more cats. Maybe that's a good idea. Maybe that's not a good idea. The beneficiary advocate, the sibling could help us make that decision about you know having two more cats join. Um, and so that's a way, it, it's the same role as the trust protector. So that's a, that's a nice way for family members to have a role and a say without that legal burden and that legal responsibility. So uh, Fabria, to answer your question directly, if you're interested, you should uh, go to our website and uh, share the information with your trust attorney and um, see if you wanna you know, revise your will. Okay. Anybody else? Um, Parvin, were you trying, um, you're muted, I think. Were you trying to ask a question again? No? Can you? Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, if you, if you have more questions, um, which I, I don't see how we could not because there's so much information and, um, and every family is different and every situation is unique. So um, if you would like um, to discuss your particular circumstances, your family member, um, your planning needs with Michelle directly, please do not hesitate to reach out to her um, and, uh, and her team. I want to thank you so very much, Michelle, for, for giving My pleasure. this amazing, amazing presentation and opportunity to learn from you um, as we plan for our family's futures. Um, and um, again, my name is Carolyn Hoffman. I'm at Sinai Temple in the Mental Health Center. If you are a member, um, I come as a benefit um, to provide resources and mental health support. Um, and if you are not, but if you are hearing this and participating and, you know, want um, a little bit of direction to where to other agencies that might be helpful in terms of mental health support, you can also reach out to me. Um, and I think that's it. I want to thank Judy and Gary for your administrative <clears throat> support. And uh, and want to thank everybody for for joining us this evening, Michelle. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Carolyn. Everyone have a good evening. Good night. <laughs>